everyone, and welcome back to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. Today, we will be talking about the 18th episode of Riverdale Season 6, Biblical. I'm Mary Kwiatkowski, and I am joined, as always, by my truly fantastic co-host, Kirsten McKinnis. Kirsten, how's it going? Hey, um, I also watched this episode like a week ago, so (laughs) hi! Welcome back! Welcome back. Okay, I know that you had watched both of these like right when they came out and then I watched them all extremely late, like a week after they came out. But after last week, I said like, I'm back on, I'm back on Riverdale. It's, you know what? I don't know what happened, but like two, three weeks away, however long it was, all of a sudden Riverdale felt like a very nice, comfy spot compared to the rest of the torment in my life. Torment's not the right word. Tumultuous? No. No. Mm. uh, Torment could work. Might might be torment. The torture? All of the... All of the, like, up-in-the-air stuff that's happening, I know that Riverdale will be here to ground me. <laughs> yeah, and so I assume that after then watching this episode, you've taken that stance back. I don't know, because I kind of feel like we've come closer and closer and closer to just being back to Rivervale, and I'm kind of okay with it. I mean, I would have thought that you would have loved this episode, because we had your favorite thing. Archie died. This episode was stupid. <laughs> This episode was so stupid. Yeah, I love Archie being dead. They should have done it 14 episodes ago and kept it like they should have kept him dead. This is it was so dumb and there was no reason for it. And all of it could have been avoided if they had just literally let left one person to supervise Percival rather than just leaving him alone. They're so dumb. I hate everyone. Nothing makes me more mad in these shows than when something happens that like easily could have been predicted and avoided with just like a tiny bit of logistical planning and none of them do that you'd think veronica would be good at it since she's now an event planner but apparently not who (laughs) who should have volunteered to watch percival cheryl cheryl should have volunteered to watch cheryl was officiating the wedding yeah you know what's more important than this stupid wedding Uh, uh, stopping this person who apparently can unleash biblical plagues on your community, like, or they could have had him at the wedding, like, hidden behind a curtain, like, in the stocks. I don't know. He should have been supervised. I'm gonna jump ahead and just go ahead and read the the question we had from our listener, because I think it's applicable now. Okay. Wonderful. (laughs) This is is from Erin on Twitter. Uh, She said, I think the performance during the wedding this week was my absolute favorite Riverdale musical number. I do have a soft spot for the wedding singer music, though. Did you enjoy this episode at all, Kirsten McKinnis? Erin, <laughs> no offense to you, but that performance was so uncomfortable. No, no, not the Veronica one. The one where Kevin just sang at the wedding. The I Veronica, liked, the Veronica oh, one was hard to watch. Okay, good. Okay, good. Kevin's was better. Kevin's yeah, Kevin was better just than sang, just sang like a song. I don't, I don't, I didn't recognize the song. I didn't recognize either of these, and I didn't do the research because. Um, I was over it. <laughs> listen, did I enjoy this episode at all? No. <laughs> I didn't. I was really, I was like viscerally uncomfortable the entire time. And I was watching it on my computer and I just like bumped up the speed every time I got uncomfortable. And by the end, I was in whatever the fastest speed on Netflix is. Yeah. Because yeah. I was like, I, I just need this to, this horror to end. Oh. I'm sorry. I know some people probably enjoyed it. Maybe Mary enjoyed it. I don't I know. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, though. I, I didn't like one of the full plot lines. Like, I... Huh. 
the wedding stuff was kind of not for me, but I did love, and I'll get to it, but I did love the uh, biblical plague stuff, actually. Not, I mean, like, I've already just decided, like, Percival can do whatever he wants, like, Mm -hmm. he's magic, whatever, but I thought some of that was kind of cool um, for a show that somehow, in my opinion, must be making no money. I feel like the production value is still pretty high, considering, just compared to so many other shows that are on. And I know I said this before we started recording, but literally that's why every show on the CW got canceled is because the CW has never been profitable ever. And since they're selling the network, they need to like dump shows. The fact that this one has not been canceled, I think is a punishment for something I did in a past life. I can't (laughs) think of any other reason why it's still ongoing. Yeah, but I do love the fact that this, for my completionist feelings, this will be good because if it just got canceled, I mean, it would be pretty funny and it would give us, it would give you your your time and your life back. But (laughs) Mary, listen though, because it's not like this is a good show that can now plan to have a satisfying (laughs) ending to the end of season seven. It's gonna end just as bad as it would if it randomly got canceled at the end of season six. It's the same. If it got canceled and you know what? It could still happen. If it still somehow gets canceled before season seven or in the middle of season seven, uh, this podcast is just going to be me reading Riverdale fan fiction to, to close the loop. Okay. Well, I think that you need to love yourself more. Okay. All right. Um, but also I'm pre- I did see a blind item that I think the final season will only be 13 episodes. Okay, good. So at least there's that. At least we bookended that um hey the other 13 episode season was pretty good so back to basics they're not going back to season one (laughs) this is like us all before season 41 of survivor when we were like hey it's gonna be like back to basics no more twists and then they just did the opposite of that did any of us think that's what they were actually doing no but we all hoped it (laughs) i mean i okay Didn't happen. All right. Well, this episode, it did go back to one of my favorite basics. Jughead voiceover. We're back, baby. Baby. The signs when they began were easily explained. Frogs escaping from the biology lab, swarming flies, and children sent home from school for having lice in their hair. So despite these omens and portents, daily life continued. Question. Is lice a typical plague? Is that a thing? Um, Is that a biblical? I I knew about the... the, uh, Okay, one, one second. Biblical plagues. Because I don't want to be the one who gets this wrong. So, yes, it, it the plagues are water turning to blood, yes, frogs, check. lice, check. flies, livestock pestilence, boils, hail, locusts, darkness, and the killing of firstborn children. Okay, so we, we hit most of those. I think the only one we well, didn't get was the, like, livestock thing. And did you, and did you know no that hail. the plagues plagues are why there's passover in judaism because how is is that related because so all of the the plagues were happening in order to let it's like the moses like let my people go thing in egypt i watched the prince of egypt that is that is why the plagues are happening because the pharaoh would not in fact let moses's people go and so the jewish families put i think it was sheep's blood in their doorways and so then the plague of firstborn dying passed over I get it now. So wait, do they like, hold on, is Passover the one where they like stay inside? Is that like a thing? Do they like, no? It's just called Passover? Passover is when they have satyrs and it's when there's a period of time when they can't eat 
eat anything with flour. Okay. Or is it yeast? I think it's uh, yeast. It might be Sorry, yeast. I'm I'm not Jewish. Yes. I did watch Prince of Egypt, which is basically the entirety of all my plague knowledge. So that's where we're at. Biblical plagues, that is. I have more I, plague I knowledge when to it comes to COVID-19. <laughs> yeah, it's the yeast. Sorry, flour is okay, but yeast okay. is not okay. Gotcha. Cool. Well, um, yeah, so we get most of those. Just boom, 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 checking them off the list. Um, of course, ending with the, the biggest one, the killing of the firstborns. They didn't, um, did they get the darkness, though? I feel like they didn't well, have the they darkness. Well, they had an eclipse, so that was kind of darkness because, like, it blocked out the sun. Mm. Um, we, we did not get hail, and we did not get the, like, something, some petulance of the I mean, livestock. I don't think there's any livestock in Riverdale, right? So, like, I think yeah. if, if they had farms, it would have happened, but. They could have shown something with, like, their pets or something, but I don't yeah, but are pets Archie, livestock? I don't know. I guess not. Yeah, I guess not. I mean, I'm not, I'm a little surprised that Percival didn't just, like, kill Archie's dog for fun. Well, he's, like, super strong or something. He just come back oh, to Oh, right. Life, I forgot. I forgot that the dog came back basically from the dead. Yes. Um. So, yeah. So, that was Jughead's voiceover. Jughead's going to give a couple more sort of voiceovers throughout the episode. I wrote one of them down, which was, little did any of us know that frogs, flies, and lice were mere preludes to Percival's symphony of biblical horrors. Um, and he has another one later, but it was kind of too far into the episode for me to remember to take notes on that one. But weirdly, I, I don't really know exactly how aware he is of any of this stuff happening because he is still down in the bunker. So yeah, we get a, he, he in the bunker. We get a couple more check-ins with Jughead writing in the bunker. Um, Tabitha's reading some of his writing, and it seems like he's basically just writing all of the plots from Rivervale. Uh, she's reading the one about La Llorona, um, but he also later writes one that involves Cheryl murdering people. So I think that was the sort of episode one plot line and unclear what other ones he wrote, but seems to be writing a lot of those. Uh, he's been, he says that he's been sort of listening to the voices in his head, which we knew were the voices of, uh, I think, Ethel and Jughead in the other bunker in Rivervale. And so he's writing them down. And he says the more he writes, the more the voices quiet down. Uh, Tabitha is going to invite Jughead to Fangs and Tony's wedding, but he doesn't think that he should go up because every time he says that he tries to go above ground, the voices just come back super loud. Yeah. He's he's not ready for the voices. Um, you know, it's it's bold. It's a this is a bold plot line that they're they're exploring here. Now, I had never really noticed that in the bunker there's like a storm drain that just like goes into nothing. But I guess the storm drain goes to Rivervale. I don't know. Um, oh, because yeah, I don't. Really know about that either. Yeah, because stuff from the Rivervale universe keeps coming into the bunker. Uh, like La Llorona comes through, he's like having a dream and he sees her. And then when he comes to, the story about her is gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's some stuff like that. <sighs> That like he he'll he'll sort of call down into the tunnel, but I feel like in previous episodes the tunnel just sort of ends in like the stairs or the ladder that goes up. But it seems like the tunnel like goes further, or he's sort of and calling I into I, that darkness. I think that must be like a river veil like thing. Like I don't right. think it normally is like that. Um, the other so what I, my theory on this is that at the end of River Veil, we found out that the Jughead there needed to lock himself in the bunker and keep writing. 
that as long as he kept writing, Riverdale and Rivervale could both exist. But he had to basically keep writing forever. So I think he's probably getting super writer's block. And now he can like sense real Jughead and Riverdale writing. And he's like, oh, I can just take these stories. And these stories can also fuel us both to keep existing. Oh, that's a good plot. That's my theory. It's interesting, though, because it seems like Jughead is writing the stories that other Jughead in Rivervale also already wrote. Well, but I think it just goes back to, like, time is weird and yeah. we don't really know, like, what the actual timelines are like. Now, there's another scene that's going to happen that I'm very confused about. A cop's okay. cheeseburger and coffee are going to show up and he eats it, even though he knows better than to do that and he's going to later get sick. Did Percival put this here? Like, what? How did this I, show So up? I think it came from Rivervale and I think that's why he got sick because it's Rivervale food, not Riverdale food. I think they put it there to, like, maybe as a thank you for all the writing, but it, like, makes oh, him maybe. sick because it's from a different universe. That would be interesting. Okay, because I at first I assumed that that was going to be, like, we were going to see Percival cursing that food, too, like he did for the food for the wedding uh, mm. rehearsal dinner. But then we never saw that. So I kind of like the idea that it's more everything in the bunker is related to Rivervale. Um, he's then going to have another dream of Cheryl wearing the sort of spiky crown thing mm-hmm. that she wore when she murdered Archie. Dabs him with a knife. And when he wakes up, the knife appears. So clearly there's some crossover there. But yet another story is missing. He like yells into the storm drain like, who's stealing my stories? Which like, what's he going to do with these stories anyways? He has to stay in the bunker forever. Like what, you're going to become published? You don't need any money. Like what's the what's the reason? Though truthfully, probably the best stuff Jughead's ever written. Well, yeah, 100% the best stuff he's ever written. We we know that he's a Garbo writer from season four. But yeah. little did he know the stories <laughs> would be stolen. I always forget about the but little did he know thing until you bring it up. And then it, it always brings a smile to my face. It lives in my brain forever because it's so bad. Like, like, that's not like in itself a bad sentence to write. But when it's like the only sentences we ever have heard from his actual writing have had some sort of but little did they know. Like, you, this is embarrassing. Okay, I'm sorry. I just realized one of the Jughead voiceovers I read earlier also said that. Little did any of us know. It's how he (laughs) writes. It's all that he knows. Oh, man. He should be so embarrassed. Little did he know that that's the only way he can write. Um, So, (laughs) yeah, uh, he's going to then receive a message in a bottle telling him to keep writing. And we know the whole message. And he gets like a little flashback to the messages in the bottle that Jughead was doing in whatever that plot line was in Rivervale when he was like trying oh, to trying to put all the, the yeah bottles, the, ships. the ships in the bottles yeah. yeah he gets like a little flash of that um and then in the bunker Jughead sees the other Jughead presumably the one from Riverdale a uh, Rivervale taking his stories and it's right around that point in time when he sees him they, they don't really talk like the Jughead from Rivervale unclear if he can like see this Jughead or what but they just stare at each other and that's when Jughead clutches his chest, kneels over, and presumably dies because he's a firstborn. So, spoilers. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, I think we're really supposed to think, oh, is he dying because of... Oh, that? Wait, no, Jughead's not the firstborn, though. He's not? Charles. Oh, that's right. Charles is the firstborn. So, So, I think he's probably... It's it's something to do with the other Jughead. I don't think he dies at all. 
spoiler for the next episode, which is not a spoiler because I haven't seen it yet, is that the preview stuff says that Sabrina's coming in to save Kevin and Archie. Oh, did it? See, for whatever reason, I thought it said Archie and Jughead. And I, it took me a couple of days to wrap my head around it because I was like, it must be Jughead and Archie, but I'm pretty sure it's Kevin and Archie. And if they make Jughead die because he's the firstborn, they're stupid because they forgot Charles. Especially since Betty called out Charles as being her older brother in this episode too. Instead of mentioning um, Polly. Well, she says Charles and Polly. Like she says like Charles was born then Polly then me. But if that's the case, yeah, by that it should be. I mean, unless unless they're like only considering firstborns to be firstborns of like the person who birthed you. But that doesn't make any sense. That's not how. I don't know. I don't Listen, know. It, it, they could be doing this really dumb. I'm not going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I'm unclear on that. Like, I feel like there could be a loophole there if, like, technically Jughead is... What's what's his mom's name? Um, uh, uh, uh... I have no idea. Does it uh, start with a J? <laughs> I don't know. Um, all I can think of is Penny Peabody, and I know that's not right. J- Jellybean? Nope, that's a sister. JB? Gladys. Uh, Glad. Wow, was never going to get that. Okay. Gladys, <laughs> unless they are saying, like, her firstborn was Jughead. I don't I guess think. maybe. I don't know. Anyway, we'll come back to that later. Um, also so, a firstborn? Baby Anthony. Right. And he doesn't die, so we don't know. Unless Tony's got another child out there we just haven't seen. Oh, I think we would know. No. Um, all right. So let's, speaking of baby Anthony, let's get on over to the phony wedding. Yes. Hmm. Um. Can I tell you what really made me annoyed in this plot line? Tell me. So they ask Veronica to organize and plan the wedding. And Veronica keeps being like, what's the point of life? I'm just a party planner. Ma'am, it is a wedding. Wedding planning is like a very prestigious like industry to be in. But she was the she-wolf of Wall Street. Well, she was a dumb bee. Yeah, Veronica is having a bit of a quarter-life crisis here in this episode, which look, I get it. I've been having some some down days myself recently where Mary, I'm like, you own a home stop I, okay. it no but it's no but I'm talking love life I'm like looking around being like what am I doing what am I doing oh I have, my God, I have you a have big so empty house time. in myself you have so much time but I promise I just you saying, I know it's really I, I hard right now to be like oh where are the good people why is every date horrible just just keep trucking just keep <laughs> okay. trucking the right one will pop up yeah but I don't really know why Veronica is so upset about the whole party planning thing I feel like that's kind of been her jam like she had no qualms with planning the uh, slaughter conference. Well, but now, now she that was a one-off. But now slaughter con and a wedding. Wow, she's just a basic party planner. Both of those are big events. Like, go away. I mean, I I'm assuming these people are paying her. I mean, they had better be paying her. Yeah, it's not. I like, would not hey, actually. I would actually not wedding. be surprised if Tony and Fangs were not paying her because they she, don't have a lot of money. She seemed super excited when Tony was first talking to her. She's like, "Oh, do you want?" to book one of my champagne suites for like the honeymoon or whatever and and they're like no we want you to like plan the whole wedding and i, I mean like that's i would be more excited about renting someone a room than planning a whole wedding that's a lot of work yeah but this is veronica i feel like she likes this kind of thing 
I don't know. I mean, Maybe. when did she plan like big events other than SlaughterCon in this? I don't know. She planned like, a whole bunch like, of casino nights. I think it's just like she likes planning it when it's like her event. She doesn't I like- think she likes planning opportunities to make money. And she doesn't like planning events where like the event is all that makes her the money and there's no like additional scheme. <laughs> yeah. Remember schemes and plots are her whole thing. Yeah. Remember our side hustles are everything. So um, Archie agrees to be Fang's best man and then we never see any other scenes of them interacting actually we didn't see any at all he tells betty that fangs asked him to be his best man and he's like i said yes as long as i don't have to do anything give any speeches or plan a bachelor party and it's like okay archie you're kind of the worst yeah he's like listen i'll say i'm the best man but also i'm trash yeah basically and um then tabitha throughout the episode is just kind of like soothing Veronica's ego and being like basically playing the cursed and being like it's fine love will find you when it does I, I I'm offended that you're <laughs> I compared you to Tabitha Tabitha's cool I know oh, Tabitha I can... is cool but she's still on the show okay <laughs> and now I feel like I'm being condescending I just I, I only give advice because I was in the same position as you minus yes. homeownership only and- Four years ago. To be fair, that was just me doing that voice. That is not how Tabitha sounded. Tabitha sounded much more like how Kirsten actually did, which yeah, was like, girl, no, it's you're, It's hard to say it right now, but the big picture's out there. That's that also what not like. what either of us sounds like. That was you your know impression. Anyways, <laughs> me and Tabitha sound like normal human Archie. women, and Mary is having trouble. And it's fine. It's going to be fine. Um, So they do their... Re- the rehearsal dinner is supposed to be at the uh casino. However, person Percival's like, let me rot all of the food. And he does a little spell and he makes all their food moldy. It was pretty cool. It looked gross, but it was like a pretty cool spell. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, I never understand how he knows like what the food is. Like he had like the exact same spread and then he rotted it. Um, he probably read like the caterer's mind. Yeah. Also, like around this time in a, di- in a different plot line, Kevin is going to see Percival like doing all these spells and stuff. And he's like, yeah, I'm kind of out on Percival. So he goes and tells Fangs and Tony that he's dropping the custody battle. Um, this is also, according to him, because of a few episodes ago when uh, Percival told Kevin that Kevin was not baby Anthony's biological father, uh, that Kevin is like, hey, he's he's y'all's son anyway, and I don't want to cause you any more trouble or pain. So he kind of taps out. It's like, cool, I guess, but also, why didn't you come to them when Percival said he wanted to kill the baby? Why did it take you so long? Yeah. And he doesn't even, like, tell them, like, hey, Percival's kind of trying to kill like, the baby. Like, yeah, Percival really wants to kill your baby. I, I feel like that's information they needed to have. Yeah. But he just kind of skirts over that part. So then Tony asks Cheryl to officiate the wedding. And then we have the rehearsal dinner with all the spoiled food. So they move it to the fake pops that's now in the boxing gym. Veronica gives a speech. But it's and, mostly a song. Yeah. And, and she also is definitely fueled on by like looking over at Betty and Archie being cute. And it's like all of a sudden, kind of out of nowhere after the last couple episodes, Veronica's back into Archie. Like I feel on. like the second she heard Betty might be kind of feeling feelings towards Agent whatever her name is. In the back Agent of Drake, her mind, yeah. it like popped up over 
oh, maybe I can have Archie back. And now she's, like, lonely and wants Archie. I don't know. It also could be because Archie's the only one she can kiss without them dying. I Listen, she's a lonely girl. And we've all been lonely. Agent Drake also mysteriously not in this episode, despite the fact that she was well, at Betty, Tony's bachelorette party. No, Betty was on PTO, um, so she didn't have to see any work colleagues. Can I also just say for the record, weird to ask your ex to officiate your wedding. It's weird. Even if you're best friends and you've completely worked through all your feelings, it's Which, still weird. Which, by the way, they haven't. They yeah. haven't worked through all their feelings. They haven't. But even if they had, if they had worked through their feelings and were best friends and hung out every day, it's still weird. There's lines of, like, appropriate behavior and this is so far past them. I feel like this would be the kind of time when in a different universe you would ask Kevin to, but then, like, there's all the Kevin and Fang stuff, so no, he's still yeah, an Kevin ex, is so Fang's ex. They should uh, ask... Doctor. No, they should just ask an officiant, a justice of the peace, just a stranger, a third party that we don't know. Didn't someone... Oh, shoot. I could have sworn in one of the River Vale episodes somebody officiated a wedding. Well, Uh, no. Maybe um, I'm making this up. Archie and Betty were supposed to get married, but then the wedding got canceled because Archie went to go kill Jughead. But I don't know who was officiating that. But in River Vale, Fred Andrews was also alive, so... Yeah. Good point. So then Veronica sings a song about single girls, and it's a really odd choice, especially since she's like drinking and smashing bottles and like slapping Listen, things out of people's let's hands. Let's hear it for the girls who lunge. Is this from something? Should I know this? Song? It is. A, it's definitely a song. What are it's Ladies Who Lunch? I don't know. Ladies Who Lunch is a song by Patti Lapone. Is it from a musical or something? It's I from Company. It's from Company. Oh. That's why oh, Erin right. mentioned it in her tweet. Gotcha. That's also why Veronica was like, yeah, I was in company at Barnard or whatever it was called. Her, yeah. her school. That, the, the, school. the pieces are coming together. Okay. Makes sense. Um, I do love Ooh. the fact that everyone's reactions for once were mimicking the audience reactions because they were all just like blankly staring at her with a slight frown while she was singing this. And that's exactly what I was doing. I I, I was looking at my phone. I couldn't watch. I was so... the second, It was really uncomfortable. The secondhand embarrassment was so so strong. Like, I just don't understand how Veronica is able to sleep at night because I would be in a spiral about how everyone hates me every day if I behave the way she behaves. Yeah, it was really uncalled for. And then Betty chats with Veronica after her song and... She's like, hey, are you okay? Because you kind of seem not okay. And she's like, yeah, it's fine. I'm just going stag to the wedding. And so Betty's like, well, why don't you come with me and Archie? Remember like we did in like season oh one, episode one at yeah, that dance. Yeah, be a, a thruple. I don't care. Honestly, that would be the most exciting way to end the season if all if the series, if all three of them ended up together. Yeah. Uh, Veronica decides that she's fighting for her friends. That was another plot line where she was like, what am I fighting for? Everyone's fighting for each other. It's like, yeah. I don't know, just fight for, like, humanity or whatever. I'm, I, um, do, I don't understand why you have to have a romantic partner to do the right thing. That doesn't make don't. sense to me. Like, I don't know. I, I've spent a lot of time single, and I don't think I, like, automatically became a worse person with bad intentions when I didn't have a partner. Yeah, I, I probably not. Uh, and then Veronica's even more annoying when she's like, B and V forever, right? I'm like, no, absolutely. You have not talked. You're not friends. Stop pretending that you're friends. They Stop. weren't even friends in high school school yeah stop stop like you transferred in sophomore year you never
never talked. Then you didn't talk for seven more years. And now we're supposed to believe you're best friends. Enough. Enough is enough. The show is gaslighting us and I will not accept it. Yeah, this is something I've been firm about for the whole time. They've never been friends. Stop pretending. Um, And then Tony and Fangs have their wedding, their actual wedding and the reception at, I think this is at the White Worm? Kind of unclear. That would make sense. It could be. And um, they invite Kevin to the wedding last minute. And Kevin's like, cool, I'm going to invite Moose. And I'm like, I feel like that's okay. Sure. Not how you accept a wedding invitation. I I do think that when you have a wedding invitation, it will specify whether or not you have a plus one. It will be clear on the RSVP if you have the option to bring a guest or not. I I do love to tease my friends when they invite me to weddings and give me a plus one. And I'm like, you know, I'm not going to have a plus one. (laughs) No, but I think you should start bringing Tinder first dates to weddings oh yeah I, I, great. I, I think you should I think you should be like listen the day like the day before the wedding or whatever be like listen I'm in I'm at a wedding tomorrow do you have a suit do you have access to a suit and if they say yes bring them to the wedding who cares what's the worst that can happen okay good point I guess what if you found the <laughs> love know. of your life and then you catch the bouquet and then you elope the day you meet them oh wow okay that sounds like a Disney movie the rest and of the this next podcast day we will be me writing Mary fan fiction <laughs> <laughs> clearly <laughs> fan fiction corners starring me um i did not enjoy their wedding cake that was two snakes intertwined look you can be serpents all you want but that's creepy i don't need that it's i don't know I, if i've this never was... been in a gang so i don't understand what the <laughs> obligations are vis-a-vis wedding cakes uh cheryl is also officiating in her red serpent jacket so there's that. The uh, red jacket was for the pretty poisons. No. Remember when she gets into the serpent? No, I do. And Jughead's do. like, <laughs> although I think that, I don't remember what color the pretty poisons jackets were. They were probably like red or pink. I, I, I put it this way. Even if they were a different color, I'm sure Cheryl had a red one. Yeah. So, it's her signature color. Kevin sings a song that apparently Aaron enjoyed. Uh, it was fine. I don't really remember much of it. The, the main thing I remember from it is that they keep flashing to the audience, like the people dancing, where you sort of see like the main cast kind of bopping in the background, but they keep honing in on Britta and some other woman who I don't know. I don't think that's like a, a main character oh. who are doing a very clearly choreographed dance. Like they... It was like the Brita actress and some other actress on the side were like, yeah, we like learned the whole dance to this song. And so then they just like kept zooming in on them. It's bizarre. I believe you kind of that this happened, but I did not (laughs) notice it. Because again, by this point, the speed of the episode was pretty fast. It's not as good as whatever that scene was where there was dancing one time and Archie was like really getting into it. Oh no, when when Veronica performed Toxic and was. was the most toxic person in the world. Oh, gosh. All right. Let's talk plagues. Let's talk person. Yeah, let's plagues. talk about the plagues. Um, I love your... Wait, am I allowed to say the S word now? It's in your notes. <laughs> I guess, since it's in my but notes. Sure. Mary For wrote- this... Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. For this one time only, if you have children, close their ears. We're oh about my to drop God. an S word. <laughs> um... Anyways, Mary's first line of Percival's Plague is, does some biblical shit. (laughs) I mean, I'm nothing if not a really accurate note taker. I don't know what he was doing. He was like mortar and pestling. And like, I'm like, what is happening? I mean, I don't think a mortar and pestle is biblical. (laughs) 
I think actually lots of people have them in their kitchen and pharmacy every day. It it was the fact that he was doing all of this and, like, that was causing the plagues. Whatever. Anyway, um, that's when, like, the the water turns to blood. Now, question. Is the water actually turning to blood or is this just, like, turning red? Because this happens early in the episode and, like, everyone sinks. The water fountains, they're all red. The whole Sweetwater River is red. And then no one, like, cares about it for the rest of the episode. They're like, oh, well, it's it's happening. Y'all don't have drinking water. What are you doing? Like, they could just buy water, right? I guess. I don't know how magical it is. Like, does it just affect the pipes? I am Googling, does the water actually turn to blood plague? Um, Okay. I don't know how useful this um, website is. It's called reasons.org, and it says reasons (laughs) to believe. I don't know. Listen. It says literal blood question mark. Significant biblical problems challenge the interpretation that God turned the Nile into actual blood. For example, Exodus 7.22 tells us that the Egyptian magicians were able to repeat the miracle. It seems unlikely the magicians would be able to turn water into literal blood. Also, the Bible does not mention that God himself reversed the miracle, which would have been necessary if it were really blood. Moreover, a similar event is described in um, Pure Papyrus, an ancient Egyptian document from the early second millennium. This account implies that the Egyptians had seen red water before, though never at the magnitude Exodus describes. The Bible's portrayal of the Egyptian reaction to the Nile's contempt suggests the same thing. Uh, the Hebrew in Exodus 7:18b says the Egyptians will find difficulty in drinking water from the Nile, and it can be literally translated translated as the Egyptians were tired out, perhaps by digging for water. If the river were actually blood, their attitude would probably have been alarm and horror. And similar to a situation that happened in Toledo, where they had blue green algae in their drinking supply, um, the Egyptians knew what to do to obtain potable water. They filtered water by digging into riverbanks. If the river were literally blood, it could not have been filtered this way. So it seems like the theory is that he God used natural law to put red algae into the Nile. Okay. That's so the theory. Okay. But it could be it could be filtered or something. Or maybe but they, they were able to dig river banks to filter it. So with a filtration system, they should have been able to get back to drinking water. And bottled okay. water would have been okay. It looks like it was just done to Sweetwater River. Okay. Cool. Thanks well, to that website. Thank you, website. Uh, Now, I'm kind of confused about all this because I thought Percival was like more the devil than a god. So like, why is he able to do all this? So I think that if he is a demon that gets his power from Lucifer, uh, Lucifer was an angel first, you know? So a lot of those angelly powers, even from the darker side. So like that, I guess, is it. Or since he's not actually turning anything to blood and he mostly just had to conjure a bunch of creatures. I feel like any any old wizard could conjure lice and flies and locusts. Okay, so maybe it's it's less biblical and more just looking, like ref- appearing Reflecting biblical. the biblical story gotcha. in Exodus, however, is not in fact actually biblical. Okay, that makes more sense. That checks out because from what we've seen so far, there are yeah. actual potential angels in this world. So I assume that they would, I don't know, not be chill with that. But yeah, um, so the others, so everyone gets together yes. to talk about things, which I do like. I like when the gang actually gets together to come up with a plan rather than just like all being in separate plot lines. That is and a I good am, thing. I, we like we 
had this several episodes ago and then we kind of went off from it. I am back to loving Cheryl in most of these scenes because Cheryl is just like the voice of reason, voice of the audience, making snarky comments in the background. And that's my favorite. Yeah. Cheryl said, we have to kill Percival. And yes, like, I'll do it. It's fine. Like, don't worry about it. And Archie's like, no, you can't kill him because the battle between good and evil is very specific and you killing him isn't part of that. Okay, Archie. Yeah, you don't. What do you know, Archie? Yeah, it's the whole like, if we do stoop to his level, we'll be just as bad as him. And I'm like, nope, you're about, you're trying to save people from biblical plagues. I think actually if you kill one person and then never kill again, you're better than if that person were to remain alive and kill like thousands of people. I don't know. That's just me. Also, everyone there has murdered a bunch of people. Talk to Veronica. She's killed like eight people. Remember? Yeah. (sighs) Anyway, so there, Archie's like, a wedding will show everyone in Riverdale what they're fighting for. Yeah, okay, Archie, freaking idiot. I This is like the 10th episode of Archie being like, we need to give the people a reason to fight. How and about it's just wild tell them because that Percival's evil? It doesn't work. It is not working. And Archie has no idea what sort of re- reason will actually make them believe. It's so dumb. Like, everything None is dumb works. and bad when it comes yeah. to Archie Andrews, especially. So, meanwhile, we're still having issues with the whole strike situation Archie and Tabitha meet with the strikers and they're like keep fighting and then Betty asks Agent Lynn to get her some Bibles and religious texts so Agent Lynn is back thought she was gone for good but no she's she's back. back She back. Um, this is when Percival rots the food for the rehearsal dinner. And then Cheryl is like, okay, I've been asked to officiate the wedding. I'm going to do one better. I'm going to kill Percival as a wedding present. So her and Heather start to like do some sort of spell with like a little Percival poppet, which if you remember, the poppets were a big deal in Rivervale as well. They were like putting them, putting them around all the trees or something. I got to tell you, I don't remember the poppets. Um, okay. It was a thing. I don't remember who oh, was putting them Oh, no, there. it was the thing things they were putting up to okay yes i do remember it was like archie wanted to like plant a bunch of maple trees but then cheryl like put a bunch of poppets which like killed the man yeah because archie was trying to create a competing maple grove to her grove because her grove wasn't actually part of rivervale anymore and then uh they she was like no only we can have maple yes and so cheryl wants to um burn Percival alive. So they're doing I love that. It. Yes. It, great plan. Unfortunately, Percival fights back somehow and somehow he transfers the fire to Nana, who like psh- Full on burst into flame. Like, yeah, no, he. It's like he knew that Cheryl would try this, and so he had a counter curse ready, and he just like starts feeling hot, and it's like, oh crap! Sits down, speaks a curse, and like almost kills Nana Blossom. Which I'm glad that they showed this at least because I think for episodes we've been like, why has Cheryl not just burned him alive? Because there was an episode where he came into her house with like a gun, and he was like, I'm gonna shoot somebody or other if you even make me feel slightly warm. But Mm -hmm. good to see that I guess that he had this plan of attack. Um, And then Archie decides that, like, we need to call off the strike to stop all these plagues while we regroup. Uh, And I think this is also when, I don't know if this is when, no, that's later. So then they realize they might be able to use Kevin as an inside man. And so Betty's like, hey, Kevin, can you go pretend to be still on Percival's side? And he's like, okay. Uh, Well, he's got this, like, little black book of secrets. And Betty asks him to steal it. 
Um, I mean, and you'd think Percival keeps the book, like, in his, like, front pocket. Yeah, probably on his person. I feel like it would have been better to, like, I don't know, if Kevin could have seen what was being written in there ahead yeah. of time. Uh, and then just told them the secrets, but oh well. So then the guys tell Archie they're good with sticking with the strike, despite the fact that there's been all the plagues. And then uh, while they're playing basketball, Percival creates a whole bunch of boils on the strikers. It's really gross. Like, like yeah. again, the, you know, the production. Oh, that's pestilence. Oh, is it? Okay. Isn't it? Or are boils a separate one? I think boils were a separate Damn thing. it. Never mind. Ignore me. I'm ignorant. I liked the fact that he, in order to have the boils, like the spell was to boil some like little army figures. That was pretty, pretty Yeah. Funny. I mean, what else were, what else was he to do? I don't know. Um, and so at this point, Archie asked Percival to take away the boils and he'll get the guys back to work. But Percival's like, no, they haven't learned their lesson yet. But Archie, you can work for me on my timeline, which foiled Archie's instant plan of like, I'll just work really slow. But instead, he's like, no, you need to you need to work how I want you to. So he well, but does like, that. Also, for what? This is so dumb. Just kill him or be like, whatever, fine, we'll deal with boils. We don't care. Yeah. I don't guess the boils in. are probably really painful. Don't, don't negotiate with terrorists. Can you can you die from the boils? I don't know. Maybe. And then so per, uh, Kevin goes back to work for Percival and Percival's like, oh, Kevin, I totally know how you feel. Let me show you all my really cool like weapons that I got. Um, Betty is going to read some biblical texts. And this is when she sees a picture of the harlot of Babylon. And she has a flashback, flashback to the episode of Rivervale, where I think this was the episode, the um, Mr. Cypher episode, where he like turned into the trash bag killer and told her that she was going to be the destruction of Babylon. So when after the eclipse happens and there's darkness, Kevin tells Betty about per- Percival's historical weapons that he got and one of them is the stockade of the Harlot of Babylon. And so Betty goes to Percival and is like, come at me. I'm the... St- st- the, can I also wait? Can I also just say how funny it is that it's all harlot, harlot, harlot? Because I believe people tend to call her the whore of Babylon, but I guess the CW is not allowed to say whore, so they just say harlot a hundred times, and I think it's really funny. Wait, is that real? So is the harlot of Babylon not like a thing? Is that like not what they call her? Is this like close window cigar or just they, them being? No, like, it's just them not being allowed to say whore on the CW. Harlot of Babylon. Yeah, it's called the whore of Babylon. <gasps> wow. But if you look up Harlot of Babylon. Well, yeah, they, Babylon they know up. what you're talking about. Um, okay, which, she was also called the Great Harlot. Yes, which is just like also very interesting because Horror of Babylon is in the Book of Revelation, which is New Testament, whereas everything else in this episode has been very, very Old Testament. Um, yeah. So is this like where the term horror came from? Um, I think horror already existed for a long time. Um, but that's it's very weird for it to be that like Percival wants to capture like this revelations character because the quote I guess harlot of Babylon is related to the beast in revelation which would be like end of the world and bad stuff which is what Percival would be you would think so it's it's just odd it's it's well, all think, very odd yeah I think the idea here based on what they said in the Rivervale episode was that like it was the whole like Betty you have darkness in you like you're the whore of Babylon you're gonna go work for the dark side so I think she was trying to like offer herself up and be like fine I'll work with you 
No, but that also doesn't really fit work. in with the like, stockade She was stockade like, lock thing. me in the stockade. Do it. I don't care. Yeah. And he seemed confused. He was like, oh, okay. I didn't I didn't know who it was, but like, okay, cool. Guess it's you. But he says that the real situation here is that he wants baby Anthony, which I think they had sort of figured out a couple episodes ago because baby Anthony is like the new soul of Riverdale I mean, or whatever. They would have for sure known if Kevin had told them when he knew <laughs> weeks ago. Fair. Yeah. So uh, sorry, instead, I'm yelling a lot. I'm sorry. This doesn't matter that much. I, I'm no, sorry. It's that's it, it's interesting. Uh, I find a lot of this stuff to be kind of interesting. The the uh, biblical stuff, at least. Well, I'm but, I'm super in- interested right now because I went to the Whore of Babylon Wikipedia page, and the religion I was born in has a whole section of their point of view on what the Whore of Babylon is. Oh, really? Yeah, it's fine. It doesn't matter. Uh, so then they are like, wait, new plan. The Babylon stockade thing is like impossible to escape from somehow it's like i guess magical and so they're like we're just gonna put him in the stockade boom plan solved well i mean in theory any stockade would be impossible to escape from if you don't have outside help like percival's magic hasn't really been in like moving like mechanical movement of like physical objects like he's affected physical objects but he hasn't really like moved them without touching them that's true so betty tells him she's going to give him baby Anthony but instead gives him just a doll. I really thought this was going to be like the Abigail doll but it wasn't but I kind of thought that I was think that cool. was too risky because yeah, it probably. has the spirit in it Um, and the spirit like wanted to work with him but yeah it's a doll but they ambush him because everyone learned how to turn invisible real quick so I guess you don't have to be a witch to do that anyone can learn I guess you just have to hold your breath and whisper or a, I don't remember somebody whispers and think a chant really or hard your chant yes and then and Cheryl blows some sort of dust in his face. Veronica also has a gun. Like, I don't know. They just ambush him. So Percival's captured and the sun returns. The plagues vanish. Oh, I guess. Okay, maybe that's why they don't care about the water thing. Because maybe it was only over the course of like two days. And during the wedding, though, when he's locked up in Veronica's vault. Um, good point about the, like, someone should have watched them. But also, this would have been a good o- opportunity when he's locked up to grab his little black book of secrets. Yep. They could have taken the black book of secrets and also supervised him yeah maybe we'll find out in the next episode that they did take the black book of secrets or maybe they'll like find it on kevin's person or something i mean his dead body i don't know i guess maybe but like all of this could have been avoided if just someone had sat lookout what they no one could miss the event veronica was already upset that she was going to the wedding alone why not miss the wedding to supervise percival then all good points it's just really infuriating when there's like such obvious plot holes that anyone who thought about it for 30 seconds could figure out like a they should have had some sort of reason why no one could stay or just something yeah Ugh. so he calls another plague of I, I wrote crickets are these locusts They're i don't know locusts. what's happening it's okay same thing same thing and so i think they like eat the wood and that's how he escapes yes okay and then he murders nana blossom it's pretty gruesome he like uh, covers her mouth and prevents her from breathing and I mean, it could be more gruesome. Yeah. But, but she's she the was, first. She was struggling and The stuff, first yeah. firstborn that is alive in Riverdale. So she had to be the symbolic one that he actually killed. Yeah. And then at the reception after the wedding, uh, all the firstborns start dying. Actually, right before this happens, Veronica asked Tabitha if in the future, because Tabitha can see the future, if Archie ends up with Betty or with her. And Tabitha's like, okay, I'll tell you, but you can't tell anyone. But then Archie starts dying and... And so everyone kind of 
gets distracted. What do you think Tabitha was going to say? Um, well, it'll be we have an answer from the comics. Like he chose in the comics. Oh, do you think that's what it's going to be? Yeah. Okay. Well, who did he choose in the comics? He chooses Veronica. Oh, okay. I guess I'm just not sure why Tabitha wouldn't tell her. Maybe that's well, why Tabitha was like, it's-, it's fine, like keeping Veronica's hopes up the whole time because she knew what was going to happen. I think it's one of those things where like, if you tell them, maybe it will impact the future. Like how like if you go back in time, you're not supposed yeah. to like, look at yourself or whatever. So I also want to say here, this is kind of unrelated, but the whole like, Tabitha you've seen a few weeks into the future who is endgame thing is really annoying to me it's why I like I have a really hard time now watching rom-coms that are set in high school where like the ending is who's gonna get together or stay together whatever because the answer is it doesn't matter because you could easily break up within the next couple years or like a new person could get together like life doesn't end you don't become magically together forever by the end of high school no rom-com said whoever you're with in high school that's who you're with forever I'll admit okay some people do end up with their like high school sweethearts and I'm not poo-pooing your joy I hope you're very happy. I I wish you nothing but the best. But I always kind of side-eye couples that have been together since high school. I'm like, mm, what's going on? I, I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying that, like, yes, you can end up with your high school sweetheart. But just because you finish a movie that is set at the end of high school with someone does not mean you'll be with them together forever. So no, I'm pretty sure it does. Okay, great. Well, thanks. What, uh, what anyway. else could it mean? So, no, I have. I I read a, a romance novel earlier this year that I I. It's my fault. I didn't realize when I picked it up that it was a YA novel, and so uh, all of the characters were like 18, 19, and I was just like, I I don't care. Like I I have no investment in all of these characters. Like I, this isn't how their lives are gonna be forever. And then afterwards, I realized it was a YA novel, and I was like, oh okay, well never mind. I. I understand now why it is the way it is. This is why, like, people get really annoyed with, like, things that end and then do a, like, 20-year-later jump and, like, give you a here's where they're at now. But I actually love that because it's like, okay, this is – at least I can buy this ending more. Although sometimes that happens and they're, like, not together anymore and then it was just kind of a downer at the end of my rom-com. But anyway. A rom-com has to end with either a happily ever after or a happily for now. If they give me any more than that and they're not together, it's not a romance. Well, spoilers on whoever hasn't watched this I actually didn't watch it I only watched the very end but uh, at the end of the like kissing booth series they like break up and then they jump to like I don't know what it is like eight years later and they're like not together but I think they leave it as sort of a like maybe we'll get back together anyway wow I can't believe you just spoiled the kissing booth for me how dare you sorry again I didn't even watch it I've definitely seen the first kissing booth movie I don't think I I didn't watch any of them it wasn't good yeah I watched some YouTube videos on them there's a lot of movies especially Netflix movies that I think I've seen just because I've listened to podcasts or watched YouTube videos on, well, but I haven't. You've seen, seen the them. Princess Switch, though, right? No, but I listened to the podcast <laughs> and I think I watched a lot of YouTube videos. That's the one with Vanessa Hudgens. Yes. Oh my. Okay, the Princess Switch one through three is iconic. I'm so excited for Princess Switch four. Anyone who doesn't like the Princess Switch hates fun. I'm sorry. I no. I listened to the podcast that you were on about it. Chappelle yeah. is not looking forward to watching the fourth one, but I they're said, making you've a fourth watch one. It. Yeah, they're one of them. They're gonna have babies. 
So there will be more. Okay. Anyway, um, so we kind of ended this, but yeah, Tony Fangs also died, and <laughs> a bunch of other people. No, it's fine. Yeah, uh, a I, I kind of sidetracked. Died. For some reason, Baby Anthony doesn't die, and they're like, "That's why you, why Percival wants him. He's special." Okay. okay. Or maybe then, Percival uh, just wanted to personally kill him and not through a spell because he's like a villain, and villains are dumb. Yeah. And then Tabitha runs off, reeling, realizing that Jughead must be dead. Uh, still confused on this. We're gonna need an explanation because the whole Charles thing. And then Heather is like, I know someone who can help. Bum, bum, bum. Her name's Sabrina. And we're like, Sabrina, the teenage witch. Actually, the teenage necromancer. And Sabrina is a necromancer. It's like something she does literally in the first- What is the definition of necromancer? Necromancer is people who can control and lift the dead. But basically, like, they can't really bring people back to life in the specific definition. And literally in the first, like, three episodes of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, she brings someone back to life to try and make things better- and it it doesn't it doesn't work out great. So uh, yeah, very curious to see what happens uh, next week. Interesting. I could not, for the life of me, find a book, movie, TV show, anything that's just called biblical. So here's the answer: uh, biblical. It's in the definition. Th- this it's this about the Bible. About Bible. That's that's what we were doing here. Cool. Um, who was the most normal person of the week? Huh. Tabitha. Yeah, that's the only one who I could even come up with even close. I mean, she's kind of like, Veronica, hang in there with the whole love situation. And also, she doesn't do anything absurd like ask their ex to officiate their wedding. Yeah. Cool. Tabitha, yay. Well, it's been a while since Tabitha's had it, so good to see you back at it. Welcome back. Welcome back, Welcome Tab. back, Tabby. Um, so we have a new review that I was yay. really excited to get. Everybody, make sure you leave us five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to your podcasts, and then also send them to us if for some reason we can't see them. Like, if you're from another country besides the U.S. and Canada. Um, and this one is from David Cat 777 Five stars title amazing thank you so much i've listened to you both on rhap for a while now and i finally decided to watch the world's most amazing show riverdale solely so i could listen to your recaps after each episode i've now watched every riverdale episode and every kowski cast episode and i have absolutely no regrets that makes one of you Um, thank you, David Cat seven seven seven. Thanks, David. Yeah, uh, we're glad that you are enjoying the this. show. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm really glad that you're enjoying the podcast. I don't know how you're enjoying Riverdale, uh, although I've kind of had an upswing. But I had a really down several episodes, and Kirsten's been on a downturn for the last three seasons. I've been <laughs> so. hanging by a thread in many ways. Yes, but thank you very much. Really appreciate the review. Um, of course, you can check out everything else that we have been doing everywhere there's there's just a bunch of stuff all the time kirsten do you have anything lined up already for big brother no big brother um, 24 i back, will back be on the first sunday update on Ooh. july 10th at 11 a.m eastern i'll be live with taryn armstrong to break down whatever is going down on the big brother 24 live feeds and knowing my track record there's probably going to be some kind of controversy because it tends to happen on saturdays when i'm going to do a podcast um, 
Um, and also, mess magnets might have a special guest coming up, but I'm not 100% Ooh. sure, so I'm not going to say who. But if it comes together, it's literally me and Sasha's dream guest. So uh, pay attention to mess magnets and please subscribe to the mess magnet specific feed, robheswebsite.com slash mess feed, because downloads on that feed really will help us get renewed at the end of August. What about Love Island? Oh, and Love Island starts in two weeks on July 19th, and Brian Scally and I will be covering that on the Hot Dummies on Islands feed. Speaking of Brian Scally, over <laughs> on the... No, this is a transition. No, but did you plan that in advance because you knew? <laughs> kind of, yeah, yes, okay. I Beautiful. That's um, why I teed you up for the Love Island thing. I love it. Um, speaking of Brian Scally, I've been covering season three of the Umbrella Academy over on Post Show Recaps. Uh, we also covered season one and two. So if you haven't watched any of that, feel free to check that out. And Brian Scally will be on the episode tomorrow, the 8th. So depending on when this comes out, maybe it's tomorrow, maybe it's yesterday, maybe it's five days ago, who knows. But check that out. Had a good good chat with Scally, and uh, he was enjoying the season, and I told him that there's a lot of similarities between The Umbrella Academy and Riverdale right now, even though The Umbrella Academy is clearly a better show. But, you know, they've both got absurd things, music, If and you want to keep comparing the shows, that's between you and God. It's between me and Percival Pickens. Okay. Anyway. All right, everyone. This was a fun time. Until next time. Bye!